Fewer than 10% of Americans are buying $1,000 smartphones, report says. Uh, can't say this is much of a surprise, though it does seem like a low figure considering how many flagships come in at a retail price above $1,000 in 2019. Devices like the one pictured in this article on Ars Technica, which is, of course, a Galaxy Note 10 Plus, which is, of course, a device that I recently unboxed a special edition of, which was actually... $1,300, so it was even more. But the iPhone falls into that territory when you're talking about the Pro versions. And there's plenty of others. We don't really have to go into it. The $1,000 plus smartphone camp. Now, we've talked in the past about how that area of the marketplace is slowing down a bit and people are looking more for value or they're upgrading less frequently. But it turns out uh, an interesting discovery or maybe... Maybe it's not that much of a surprise to people, but it does it does act as an indicator to, to try to figure out where, how the marketplace is operating. You have most of the $1,000 plus smartphone interest centered in certain urban areas. Uh, places like New York and Los Angeles. I'm sure Toronto would be similar. So the sensitivity to the $1,000 plus smartphones is likely more distributed across wider regions, less urban populations. And so you do likely have a difference, well, like a lot of other products that people buy, where cost sensitivity, price sensitivity maps accordingly to people's incomes and to various other factors. Now, this is, of course, important information for device manufacturers because when they're sitting there thinking, okay, our new device is coming out flagship level. It's going to be a thousand bucks. Where do we market it? Where do those billboards go? Who do we want to be talking to? How do we find individuals that might be interested? Now, the problem that comes in is when you start talking about next generation devices and connectivity, we're talking about 5G coming up very shortly. And presumably those devices will first be available at the flagship tier. So at that $1,000 plus, plus price point, so likely you're going to have people getting access to new technologies in certain regions long before other people are capable of experiencing those technologies. And why would you, what would be the incentive to go and build out those technologies in regions where people aren't even going to have the devices to access them for a very long period of time? So you could have uh, some fairly large landscapes where people are lacking the same degree of connectivity as other people who choose to be in or can work in certain environments. Uh, this fatigue that's happening at the top end that we've been talking about for a while, it's, it's indicative of a couple things, right? It's not just the fact that people are finding value in other smartphones. It could also be a sort of more macro situation of people not having the money to begin with like they used to. But the takeaway is that once upon a time, not that long ago, the flagship device was the device, whether it was an iPhone or a Samsung. There was far less selection in the first place. So even though it wasn't $1,000, the options just weren't even there to even have an opinion on the matter. To even say to yourself, no, I'm not looking, I'm not looking to afford a $1,000 plus handset. And even if I was, I'm going to hold on to it for a while. Uh, so it's not a surprise to me, but... It is just a little bit more detail onto into how people think about these purchases and who's actually willing 
to foot the bill for some of these very expensive devices. As we're going to talk about in the next story, there's even more expensive devices than $1,000. We have the devices, the folding devices, the $2,000 devices, the very aspirational devices. Now, the other thing I will say, as far as the geographic component is concerned, before we move on, I think there's a reason that those urban areas gravitate as well towards these devices because often, well, take a look at us. We're content creators, right? We post videos about this stuff. What happens is if you are talking about you're part of a media marketplace and you are talking about the top tier device, uh, you're going, you're going to potentially get an audience for that content for people who can afford it, are interested in buying it, and also people who just want to see what the best thing is. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of automotive coverage where a Ferrari is cool to anyone, mm -hmm. almost. Like, it has some kind of inherent cool factor, whether you're interested in buying it or not. Now, Ferrari's a weird fringe. That's probably too far. Well, it's like a feat of engineering. Exactly. There's kind of a need to know about the cutting edge, even if you eventually land on a mid-range mm -hmm. kind of device eventually versus if a, if a channel like ours upstairs focused on mid-range stuff, which we do try to show a little bit of it. Uh, well, first of all, the 10% that are have the money to buy something else are not interested. And then on top of that, once you get into the mid-range, you're typically talking about slightly older hardware, mm -hmm. right? Not the cutting edge hardware. So now you've taken out just the tech fan in general, potentially delivered something slightly less interesting because you're getting very practical at that point. Mm -hmm. So there's an overrepresentation at the top end from a publication perspective, but an underrepresentation of people that will actually experience that top end, own it themselves, but will be willing to watch it. So sometimes we're a bit skewed in how we view the actual landscape. Imagine, Will, we just did a video on the Note 10 Plus. Feels like everybody's interested in the Note 10 Plus or the iPhone 11 Pro Max. Turns out 10%. 10% of people will actually have it. So I think it's important to keep that in the frame of mind when you're discussing these types of things, these price points. Just recognize what the, the, what the real uh, decision makers are up against mm -hmm. and the fact that when something exciting does happen inside of the bid range, how many more people that potentially applies to. Right. That's that's sort of my takeaway from this. But 5G's on the way, and that's going to be a big differentiator. Speaking of very expensive phones, this one, uh, as I mentioned, the next story, the Galaxy Fold, one of the most readily available, one of the most expensive readily available devices on planet Earth as of right now. Of course, there's some other ones that are out there but hard to get, like the Mate X. This one coming in just under $2,000. Samsung came out recently and said they actually sold a million of them. And they said so fairly proudly. I don't know if you want to do the math, Will. $2,000 price point, 1 million units. That sounds like 2,001 million. That sound, that's, I don't know, call me crazy. Sound like 2,001 million. Call me crazy. That's surprising. That's a big number, right? Yeah, 1 million units. Yeah, and I remember hearing... At the relaunch, they were talking about how when it first came out in Korea, it was it was waiting lists. People really wanted it. And this comes back to what I was saying before about just that cutting-edge mindset, that cutting-edge kind of uh, perspective. A million, this does two things for me. A million sounds big and a million sounds small. 
million sounds big when you're talking about a $2,000 smartphone, but it sounds small when you're talking about Samsung's smartphone business as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's a relatively, it's a drop in, a drop in the bucket, as they say. Uh, but nonetheless, when you're attempting to come up with an entirely new form factor, plus you have the controversial initial launch that they had with various reviewers running into issues with their particular Galaxy Folds or trying to remove the screen protector, uh, as has been talked about and covered, you sort of wondered what the impact might have been from that. And the way that Samsung Electronics president, Young Sun, Young Sun, Y-O-U-N-G-S-O-H-N, Young Sun. Oh man, I got to stop for a minute. I got to take a breath. That's too, that's, I can't handle something like, that's too good for me. That's too good. Young Sun. Samsung Electronics president, Young Sun. Wow. You know I can't handle something like that. <laughs> anyway, he revealed the company had sold 1 million foldable Galaxy fo uh, Fold phones. Uh, so he's obviously proud of it. And I think, I think, yeah, okay, you should be. You go spend a lot of time trying to develop this thing. You get the heat in the beginning of it not being ready, being a beta device. In fact, he was asked here, uh, this is coming via TechCrunch, by the way, Disrupt Berlin, I asked Samsung if Samsung is comfortable selling a $2,000 device that is essentially a beta device, to which he responded and pointed to that sales number as justification. So it seems like when you get to the sci-fi fringe, kind of like Cybertruck, I guess, when you get to the sci-fi fringe and people feel that you are there, you're almost getting monetary votes just for that purpose alone. Mm. Never mind... Let's take out practicality. Let's take out uh, affordability. Let's take out a lot of other factors. They're still there. They always will be there. But you've now got willing participants to just want to be a part of the future. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, to me, what these one million people represent. It's They definitely weren't in this for value for money, Will. Mm -hmm. This is that group we were talking about earlier. They just want that thing. Yeah. This is impressive. Uh does this give you hope? Oh, absolutely. Holding yeah, it means it means the that future? the sci-fi thing is real to a certain extent. G granted, let's be honest, if this if this thing was seamless, that could have been 10 million units. Mm -hmm. If this tech was at stage 2, that could be 10 million units. So the 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 real thing for us to figure out is where does it go from here at this point now that you see the million dollar figure? Does this mean the folding phone is our future because a lot of people started to speculate that that might not be the case given the headache that that this one had during the launch. There are, in fact, media reports stating that Samsung is ramping up to sell 6 million foldable devices in 2020. So that's a target. That's still a massive increase over 1 million. That's a 6X right there. Mm -hmm. You keep at that kind of a multiplier and all of a sudden you start seeing these things in public. So... Yeah, I'm going to say it's pretty good, all things considered. And it is, a, you know, a million in a smartphone game, like I said, it's small, but a million people in a room on a Galaxy Fold, that's a lot of Galaxy Fold. And they could be a pioneer of the folding But that's generation. a heck of a thing to see. Imagine that. Uh, like 10 football stadiums and everybody's on a Galaxy Fold. That's Fold actually Fold. a lot of humans yeah. using a Galaxy Fold and getting used to the idea of smartphone form factors changing and mm -hmm. potentially being future customers for V2 and 3 and 4. Mm -hmm. So it ain't nothing. It's not nothing. It's a good move. It's not nothing.
Uh, I got to talk about this one. Kirk want me to talk about this one. A couple people on social media want me to talk about this one. Look, man, look. I saw all the posts. $50,000 Mac Pro. You know a younger me? A younger me? I'd be out there, order the crazy thing. Just how I order. Like that. I just, I poke. And I or and then all of a sudden some thing shows up and all of a sudden it's on the credit card and all of a sudden you go broke. It's how it works. It's too easy. Twenty nineteen. Uh, cause I would have been thinking, well, I can make the video and uh, all these people make these justifications and uh, the new Mac Pro, man, it, you spec that thing out. It's powerful, no doubt. Fifty two thousand. No doubt. No doubt about it. I expect. Uh, but of course. You gotta have the equivalent as you would on the internet. Thing happens, reaction. Thing happens, reaction. I mean, what are we doing? You and I. Yeah. Sitting 20 feet apart. For goodness sakes. Yeah. Gosh. Gosh darn it. What are you and I doing? I mean, that's, what, that's how it goes, right? You get the take, you get the hot take, you get the reaction to the hot take, you get the reaction to the reaction of the hot take mm -hmm. of the thing being announced. So, yeah, you could spend 50 Gs on this thing. You don't have to as well. You don't yeah. have to. So the old me might have had some fun with that. But the new me is just kind of more things are happening on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. That's the new me. I don't know if you knew that. We didn't cover this before. The no. new me is things are happening on planet Earth. Do as you will. Take a sip of your tea. Take a peek. Zoom in. Zoom out. Wax on, wax off. It's the new me. 2019. Yeah. I'm the karate kid, basically, is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like you didn't feel like you didn't come with me there. So what I'm trying to tell you is I, I'm, I, uh, I'm Daniel. Yeah. Is that his name in it? I'm Miyagi. I'm Miyagi. How about that? With the classic cars. Polishing the classic cars. Then he gives one to Daniel. That's me. You understand? With the chopsticks and the fly. I just like to, I like to, I like to watch. I like to uh, sit back. Figure it out. It's like this thing feel like what I'm learning and I'm learning a lot still that's the fun part learning is what it's all about and what I'm learning is the more you think you know the less you do you know <laughs> the less you do the more you know the less you know is what I'm trying to say hmm. and that's a healthy place that's a healthy place to consider I'm not saying you don't investigate I'm not saying you don't but you just personal experience you, don't, you probably don't know the whole story. Mm. You probably don't. But social media trick you into thinking mm -hmm. it's time for a hot take. So I'm just saying, I like to take a second. Yeah. Anyway, take all the seconds you want. Apple is selling $400 wheels. Take all the Mr. Miyagi you want. That's a $400 wheel. Take all the wax on and wax off you want. That's a $400 wheel. Walk into the wrong dojo that's still a $400 wheel. You didn't think I was going to come to a dojo today. It's a good-looking caster. 
It looks kind of futuristic. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. From Ikea? Look. Look. Can we talk? The truth of the matter is that the actual core customer for this product is buying this as a business expense, as a work expense. Whether they're a contractor, like a, a free, what do you call that? A free freelance. freelance. It could be a freelance. It could be an editor in a facility. It could be a production company, things like that. When they go to fill the cart and they spec it, spec it out, and it's coming off the business expense, you already chopped the price in half from a tax implication perspective mm -hmm. with the with the year-end write-off. Mm -hmm. The people, they just pile it in, man. And once you get into the pro realm, as we talked about before, once you get into the pro realm, I mean, talk about like red cameras, for example. You add the handle, $4,000. Is there really? Metal handle. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm exaggerating. It's just the way it goes because it's a it's a lower volume product. It's a very specific product for a specific user who knows what they want and who know and know and I, look, I don't I'm not trying to defend. It sounds like I'm trying to defend a $400 wheel. I'm not trying to defend a $400 wheel. I'm just saying the angrier you are, the less likely you probably are a potential customer for this particular... I mean, you could buy 1.5 terabytes of RAM. RAM! Scroll down. That's $25,000 worth of RAM. <laughs> like, that's that should just be just as wild to somebody as a $400 wheel. But it sounds better because it's RAM. So it's hard. You, you, you know, it's tech. A wheel, on the other hand, or the stand... Those were the most egregious as far as people were concerned. They lost it on that. Right. What do you mean a wheel? I know what a wheel is. Don't tell me about 96 terabytes of RAM. I know what a wheel is. Of course, I'm talking about 1.5 terabytes of RAM. I'm having some fun. I know what's going on over here. The thing is uh, uh, not a consumer product for the most part. I mean, maybe you get the very baseline spec. But for most people that are going to be interested in this, they're going to spec it out to their to their satisfaction. They don't need the wheels if they don't want them. They leave them. If they want the crazy RAM, they get that. They may rack mount it. Is that a rack mountable version of it? I never saw that before. Coming soon. They may rack mount it if they choose to. So it's a Mac Pro. It's a new Mac Pro. It's got $400 wheels. How much is the, the stand? It's got a $1,000 stand for the screen. And as much as I want to dig in and have some fun, as you would and as you could... I'm Mr. Miyagi, at least for today. That might change for tomorrow. But for today, I'm Mr. Miyagi. I'm going to go out back and work on a 1957 Fairlane, whatever it is I got. So then I could go down, you know, drive down, cruise down without the power steering. Receding hairline? Yeah. I need the, I need the bandana like him. Yeah, you should. Look at the bandana. I, I man, how did I not notice? Is that the lotus? I, I was just gonna ask. Is that the lotus on his bandana? So composed. They try to attack him. He can't get to him. Crazy. Although he does get drunk in the one scene. I don't know if you recall. He's uh 
he's upset. He's remembering his wife. And so he gets a little bit drunk. And I was watching out with my kids, and they're like, what's wrong with him? What happened? I was like, well, you know, he's a bit upset. So he had a few drinks. They're like, Dad, do you, do you get drunk as well? Do you ever? No, I'm like, no, 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 I take it easy. I take my time, and I zoom out. Miyagi went too far. It's possible for anyone on a bad day. You remember the uh, F-150 versus Tesla fiasco, as the internet would have you believe? Mm. Well, we have an update in that territory. Of course, the original video, a lot of, a lot of people were upset with it. They said it's a two-wheel drive F-150. They said it's not fair for this reason or that reason. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. It's just... Neil deGrasse Tyson weighed in on it, saying, well, there's no weight over the rear tires of the F-150. Most of the weight is up front, so the rear tires can't get traction. There were so many takes. Well, we have a new, we have an update. After the whole thing ensued and there was talk of a potential official showdown, uh, this individual, I don't remember the channel name, but it's this is posted on Inside EVs. And... He puts his F-150 Raptor, which is a, a really high-end F-150, four-wheel drive, obviously, up against a P-100D Model X, so not even a Cybertruck, which is, of course, the video that kicked off the whole controversy. It was a Cybertruck versus an F-150. Of course, there's, there's some thinking that the powertrain or the torque could be similar on a Cybertruck as to what it, what it currently is in a P100D. So they tie these two vehicles together. They have a little showdown, and you found the part in the video, as you would, because you're Willie Do, and the electric vehicle crushes the truck. It just yanks it. The truck is smoking out. And now the comment section is just bananas. Uh, Ford versus gas versus electric, and so on and so forth. The whole thing, pop, 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 pop. No, I say this. No, you say that. I say this. No, you say that. That's what happened. That's how Twitter goes. Did you know that? That's the theme song of Twitter. It starts every day with the theme song. If you go, if you go on Twitter and you listen really closely, just while you're scrolling, you listen real closely. You got your speakers turned up all the way, and you listen real closely. You say this, and I say that. You say this, then I say that. Just in, it's just, you say this, I say that. You say this. Yeah, it's almost subliminal. Jack Dorsey put that in there. Uh, what can we say about it? Yeah, it's a much more powerful F-150. Some people suggest that the dude was spinning his tires. Like, he, he should have had a different technique. Uh, other people are saying there's a weight discrepancy because the batteries are super heavy and the, man, there's so many takes on this. The weight distribution over the four-wheel drive, of course, you're talking about traction when you're talking about this particular test. Other people, truck people are particularly upset because this is not indicative of, necessarily indicative of towing, which is what you'll actually do. You're not going to be towing against resistance and Batteries, EVs specifically struggle with towing because their range goes down substantially. And you might already be 
you might already have some range issues. And so there's that whole argument from the petrol side. So this thing is not over. It's never going to end, my goodness. Uh, per particularly because you can, you can frame it like this. You could put two vehicles, have them tug, and then that's just internet. Mm -hmm. It's just perfect content to, to get the comments going. This has uh, 312,000 views. Let's see how many comments it has. It's got to be a high ratio. 600 comments, all right. You could do better. Uh, angry, outraged internet, you could do better. I think the there's also a post on Instagram which has a few more comments. So hmm. you can go leave yours if you want to talk physics. But in the comments on Inside EVs, it's great depth, great engineering depth as to why we have another yet another flawed test not worth looking at, according to many. Speaking of electric vehicles, course, I got to do a quick update on the Taycan Turbo. We have some new numbers emerge. Emerging, emerging numbers emerged. Emerging numbers emerged. Uh, for the EPA range of the upcoming Taycan Turbo, and a lot of people ain't so happy about it. It scored 201 miles of range on the official testing, which, of course, the original claim from Porsche was that it would do 300 miles of range. But, of course, there's U.S. government fuel economy testing that comes out where they aim to create a real-world scenario, an aggressive real-world scenario to try to educate consumers and have them uh, have the correct information available to them, not just the marketing material, not just the optimal scenario when making a decision. And Porsche was really upset about it. They said, no way. Yeah. You only know how to test our cars. 200? We're German. Are you kidding me? From Germany. Yeah. EPA estimates U.S. government, please. Please. Volkswagen. How dare you? Diesel. Clean diesel. Yeah. They had a whole fiasco as well with that. So. so they went out and did their own independent version of it. Like the reason, first of all, that people are, are, are not so happy about it is also because the Taycan Turbo lineup has tremendously large batteries comparative to the competition. It has a bigger battery than the Chevy Bolt, Nissan Leaf, Audi e-tron, Jaguar, I-Pace, uh, a number of electric vehicles that score better than it in the range department, according to the fuel economy uh, testers, U.S. government fuel economy test. So people were expecting better numbers. And... Porsche goes out and does their very own testing, and they get a 275 number, much closer to the stated 300 optimal miles of range. And presumably, many users would be a lot happier with that, potential buyers. Now, the important thing to note is that a big issue, a big component in the marketing around the Taycan was this idea of a 911-like experience, a repeatable performance experience that you could do over and over again kind of like on the Nürburgring the stuff that they showed off it's always ready to go uh, you know get after it type of thing hit the pedal when you like so it may be tuned up for more of an aggressive performance than an efficiency scenario so there is a chance that as things get 
tweaked leading up to the eventual launch and possibly updates, maybe the comfort mode within the vehicle there, where, where you could see some enhancements in how the power is managed in order to increase that range if you are more of a range driver than a performance driver. But I will say the reason this is slight, slightly less important with the Taycan Turbo and Taycan Turbo S is because those two vehicles specifically are targeted at performance, performance first mentality. And so the range part of the conversation is generally speaking more the practical audience and less the supercar conversion people that are thinking about going electric. But even for a guy like me and a guy like you, Will, 275 is better than 200. Because I know you mentioned you're buying a Taycan as well. Turbo. Yeah. It, it makes all the difference, really. 75? 75, yeah. Yeah. Of course. It does. It that's makes a, a big difference. Absolutely. Big so hopefully some things get tweaked and the official number gets closer to the 275 that Porsche is sharing based on their own uh, estimates and their own testing. The average indicated or what the car was reporting its range to be for city highway mix was 269 miles and 283 for city only. So city performance, obviously better electric vehicle, as you'd expect. And Jalopnik notes this just as I have earlier. We do expect that original test number to probably get a bit better. But for the time being, if you are cross-shopping, say a Model S versus a Taycan Turbo, this is something you really have to consider now, mm -hmm. is this range discrepancy. And if range is a huge component of how you expect to use the vehicle, it's going to be pretty tough to pull the trigger on the Taycan Turbo as it stands today. Look at the Model S performance. You're talking about 348 on a test. It's, I mean, it's almost double, right? And the long-range Model S, if you really want range, you're looking at 373. So... I don't expect that to sit at 201 forever, but for now, it ain't the range machine you're looking for. Performance, possibly. Range, maybe not so much. Why Netflix needs to cut prices and run ads. Oh my goodness gracious. I can see a lot of people just not even wanting to have this conversation right now. There's a lot of people out there, the Netflix heads in the audience, that are saying, how dare you, Lou? even suggest or repeat this headline because now Netflix is thinking about it. You got Reed Hastings. He's in the background. He's watching this. Big fan, actually. Found this out recently. I didn't find that out, obviously. But if he was watching this, he'd be thinking, hmm, maybe they're on to something. And I'll tell you why, Will. The competition has heated up in streaming. You probably realize this. We've talked about it a few times. Yeah. I know sometimes you zone out over there, but we talked about it a few times. Yeah. yeah. Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, all the plus. Yeah. Uh, Hulu still at it. Amazon. Hulu still Hulu. Amazon still Amazon. Yeah. HBO, they got, what's their new one called? They got a new one. HBO, HBO Max. Max. Yeah, Max. Doesn't that sound promising? Don't you just want to sign up for Max? Well, here's the thing. A lot of the new competitors came into the market realizing they were going to have to bump CBS All Access. Comcast, Peacock. You, know, you want to subscribe to Peacock? 
Yeah, it's another one to add to your monthly list. Peacock. So why why do you think that they uh, are considering ads? Okay, so here's the thing. Netflix spent a boatload of money on content. We know it. You just watched... Uh, Irishman. You just watched Irishman. CG, D. Wrinkle, Scorsese, De Niro. What do you think those guys... What do you think those guys cost, huh? Couple of bucks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you spend a couple of bucks. You want those names. Yeah. You want that CG wrinkle-free. <laughs> wrinkle-free CG. That ain't no Happy Meal, yeah. I'll tell you what. That cost you. That ain't no Happy Meal, I'll tell you what. That's a gourmet burger, I'll tell you what. So they're invested. They had a model that was just churning, baby. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 it was like a it was like a a raging locomotive. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Is it breaking? What is that sound? No, it's like you know when they break. You ever seen a raging locomotive? Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. They were just on their own, just just uh, just counting money. That's really most of their employees. Over fifty percent of their employees were employed just to count the money. Yeah. <laughs> Designated money counter. They it was just content and money. Half the office was content, and the other half was money. They were up to sixteen bucks a month. I think that's what I have. The premium family multi-device tier and the competitors that came along they knew they were going to have to derail that locomotive yeah kirk kirk's like where is he going with this they knew they're gonna have to derail that mo- locomotive so you know what they did they put some junk on the tracks and you, that junk was a low price point they came in between five and seven dollars all of them Disney, Apple, everybody said, okay, we know what we got to do. $4.99. Imagine Apple TV Plus, $4.99. Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, the guy from... Steve Carell. The guy from Game of Thrones. The guy from The oh, Office. Jason Momoa. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Uh, did they... They got Oprah? Oh, yeah. Did, did Steven Spielberg come out at that really wacky, yeah. strange event? Has yeah. Steven Spielberg came out? He's like, when I was a boy. When I was a young boy. He was like, when I was a boy, stories of our time. Is that Steven Spielberg or did I just, that could be any, that could be any guy on stage. The stories of our time deserve to be, and when Apple came to me and Tim came to me, he was wearing sneakers. <laughs> I said, I'm on board, baby. That's all it took was sneakers. And then Disney, they got Baby Yoda now, which I you obviously know about that. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, explain Baby Yoda to us. I actually haven't watched the... No, you don't have to watch. I'm saying on social media, Baby Yoda showed up out of nowhere. And everyone's like, yeah. huge hit. Baby Yoda, they knew it. Social media, young people, Santa Monica... <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of offices over there, you know, drumming yeah. up. If we do a baby Yoda, all right, memes, 
Twitter, TikTok, just hear me out. Young people, Mandalorian, $4.99 a month. Disney, Netflix, derailed. That's how those conversations happen. You need a meme, and they bake the meme in. You think they're just doing content these days, man? Nah, man. Yeah. They, they, they got to bake. It's like the chocolate chips in the cookie. They bake them right in. It's <laughs> part of the narrative. It's delicious. It's delicious. There you go. It's delicious. No, this was actually really smart. See? It, I can't believe it blew up as much as it did. It blew right up because it's cute. It's a cute... Everybody likes cute things. I don't know if you knew that. Everybody's really into the cute things. Although mm -hmm. I think he's kind of cute when he's old too, to be honest. I'm into... You know what? <laughs> he's got a Miyagi. You know what? I don't even need... I don't even like... Now that you showed me old Yoda, I just want old Yoda. Forget about baby Yoda. Look at that guy. Look at that guy. You want to give him a hug, right? Yeah. You know? It's not bad. You just want to you want to feel the wrinkles just, on his head there. Just pat his head. Yeah. Away. He's so wise and whatnot. Is he wise as a baby? I guess we find out. We got to get Disney uh, Plus. Di Super Disney. Because he's, he's, he's Yoda. I don't know. He's got max IQ, left brain, right brain, live forever. Anyway. So they come, they come along and they're doing well. And obviously Netflix is paying attention. And so now you say, how can you adjust your model? The speculation in this particular article right here is that next year Netflix will lose roughly 4 million subscribers if they don't touch their price based on a, a, a various number of uh, ext extraction of data through polling and, and various other factors, trajectory, lost subscribers in the past, earnings calls. You know how the, the, these analysts do because there's investors so they try to figure it out prior to this competition you weren't having to think which streaming service should i keep in my life but all of a sudden you're scrolling twitter you see baby yoda you add the disney plus mm. and then you're sitting there saying man i'm enjoying this this is five and i'm paying 14 12 yeah. to netflix if i have to pick one or the other it should be obvious mm -hmm. i'll take the cheaper one so because Netflix's business model is set up around that more expensive price point and their content has that tremendous price point associated with it. We were talking yesterday how they're going to spend half a billion in India, for example. The way to compensate for lowering your price is to offer a tier that is sort of ad-supported to get you to that lower price without cannibalizing the premium tier of people who can't afford the extra, extra amount and think that it's worthwhile because if you drop the, the price across the board if it just comes down completely presumably it's going to be harder to maintain the content status that they're currently at that's the thinking do you think netflix can they actually just move to different regions and see how well they do there so that's what they're doing but those regions are very cost sensitive right even when we were talking about the that's india true. play they had the hot star from disney the hot star. Yeah. I think it's just called hot star. But these other players, they're going to go and compete everywhere Netflix does, and they're going to undercut them everywhere they go. Right. Netflix is a very one-dimensional business. We have content. We make content or buy content, and you pay us to see it. Disney? What are you talking about? Disney? No. You want to mess with Disney? You personally, do you want to mess with Disney? No. Yeah. Do you want? How about Apple? 
How about Amazon? These guys, this is a fun little side job. These guys. Yeah. Netflix is kind of, it's, they're, HBO, I guess you could say, is in the same boat. Maybe CBS. But some of these players like Amazon, Disney, and Apple, I think they can afford, I know Disney's reaching in the pocket right now, saying, let's just, mm-hmm. let's get some users right now. Mm. Their, their price will go up too at some point. They're even giving the service away to Verizon subscribers to start. They really want people on the platform because they feel like they've got a better product. They feel like if they can get you on the platform, you'll think about ditching your Netflix. Mm-hmm. They really believe that. So so anyway, this is one way of Netflix protecting its premium tier, but offering a, a, a lower price point would be to introduce ads for that group. The suggestion from this uh, expert is that you would have an advertising block of about six to eight minutes an hour. Now, let me ask you something, Will, and I want you to be completely honest here. If you had the option to get Netflix for five bucks a month instead of 10 bucks a month, but you had six minutes of ads an hour. I would pay the premium. Willie do. Just like YouTube premium. Like, I don't want to watch the ads. Willie do. YouTube premium. I also have YouTube premium. Yeah. I agree. If you can, if you can do it. But you're not, maybe you're not cost sensitive enough. Maybe yeah, you're living will. the high life, yeah. drinking champagne, well, I do. private jets, as you would. Yeah. Taycan left and right. You, you already told us you're getting one of those yeah. uh, Cuban cigars. Yeah. I'm buying the wheels for uh, the Mac Pro. You're just the wheels. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple. You're going to put the wheels sets. on your MacBook. <laughs> just carting it around. $400 was you got the exotic pet already oh yeah looking like a looking like a wolf over there little Otis yeah so you got things going on so we can't we can't use you as the correct <laughs> well why not well because like we just said <laughs> you're not cost sensitive enough we need to ask the audience if well, you could get half price Netflix but watch six minutes of ads every single hour would you make that trade let us know in the comments yeah there's options All right, last up, Amazon, who I told you, you don't want to bet against, you don't want to play against, because for them, it's just a side business. They're just having fun. They do 7,000 things a second, including launching home internet service by, oh, I don't know, sending up a bunch of satellites into low orbit in the shape of constellations to deliver crazy fast internet to places that never had it before. That's what you would do if you were Jeff Bezos. That's what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I cleaned the pantry yesterday. (laughs) this guy's killing it i like that that's good material right there you You cleaned the pantry yesterday (laughs) that's good material i didn't even know you had a pantry i do yeah wow what's in it uh you know just towels and you know kitchen stuff okay all right well good for you you're way more adult than i thought you you were i didn't think you were that much of an adult to be honest but no that's surprising right so they got a former SpaceX vice president to oversee this particular project, and they are currently asking the FCC for permission to start testing this service this summer. The goal is broadband everywhere, but the very nature of having thousands of satellites in low Earth orbit is very different from geostationary satellites. You have equal broadband all over the surface of Earth. Not exactly equal. It tends to be a lot more concentrated toward the poles, unfortunately. 
With low orbit satellites, broadband access could reach areas that have previously been underserved, including rural areas and developing countries. Rural. Rural. Can we give can you give that one a shot? I'm not even gonna give, do that. give it one shot, man. Some words exist like that. <laughs> rural. I call it rural. <laughs> Rural. Ahuga. Ahuga. Rural. Yeah, I don't know. Words exist like that. Yeah. For whatever reason, words exist like that. Paper route, paper route. Uh, yeah, so he's going to launch up 3,236 satellites in low, low Earth orbit. Uh, 3,236 satellites. No big deal. Just a, just, that's basically your pantry. It's like launching your pantry into orbit. These satellites will be at altitudes 367 miles up, 379, 391. And at these distances, satellites will be able to reach areas about 56 degrees north to 56 degrees south. They just want to cover, no big deal, they're just going to cover roughly 95% of the world's population. No big deal, though. No, not really a big deal yeah. at all. All of a sudden, you just connect through Amazon. They're your service provider now. It's fast. It's a fast connection, and the entire world can get it. What are those crazy uh, political... You know how in certain environments, they don't really have the full internet or whatever, or they want to be able to shut it off? What do they do when the low-orbit... Jeff Bezos constellation of satellites is just chilling. What are they mm. gonna they're gonna have to shoot them out of the sky or something? It's a whole new beef. Yeah. Like living off the grid people. Pe people just connect to that. Yeah. No, what I'm saying is in 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 like war torn areas, you oh. hear about them trying to take people offline or in oh, places right, where right. they try to protect what people look at online, mm -hmm. firewalls and such. What if people could if people just connect to to Bezos satellite, they got everything. Yeah. It's like the Amazon connect button. And yeah. And the done. constellation makes an Amazon shape just above the atmosphere. Uh. <laughs> and it's a wink. It's a winky Bezos. Yeah. And you log on. And what happens? Maybe you, it'll probably be somehow subsidized. Like you watch four or five ads and now you have internet anywhere. Mm -hmm. And you order some paper towel while you're at it. There you go. Quicker picker upper. Yeah, they're busy. They're definitely busier than you. I'm impressed with your pantry cleaning, but uh, 3,000 satellites into orbit, asking the FCC. So much. Yeah, asking the FCC for approval on that seems like a bigger deal. I don't know how people are going to feel about it. Your sky is about to be full. You're going to have different layers of activity. It'll be the drones delivering all the Amazon packages, mm -hmm. and they'll be just below the 3,000 hovering satellites staring at you, pumping you full of signal, as it would be. In 2019. Yes. What a time to be alive, Willie Do. We talked about it all. That's it. That's everything that's happening today. There's nothing else. If anyone tells you otherwise, they're liars. And they're probably on social media. Mm -hmm. See you later.